There is nothing wrong with your station. We are attempting to decalcify your third eye. This is the Third Eye High Podcast. I am your host, J.F. Bay. And I'm just here to shine my light your way to help you find your light switch and keep your light lit. And at Third Eye High, we deal with a higher consciousness of a flyer culture. As we continue on with the book report series, I got another dope book that I want you guys to add to your libraries. Powerful, powerful book. And each of these books that I introduce, we're going to expound on this uh, American history, right? Because American history is really world history. And we're talking about the true indigenous people of all the continents that they would later name Negro blacks and coloreds and usurp the land from them. But a lot of this stuff is hidden in the books and we're gonna uncover that. So I qualify with the scholarship. Now, this book we're gonna review is called Under the Freedmen's Bureau, Guardianship and the Reconstruction of the Nation of Georgia in 1865 to 1870 by Paul C. Simbola. Now, it's powerful in, in the title alone, right? Because the speaking of being under the guardianship of the nation. Now, when they misclassify you and they don't refer to you by your national identity, you become IE award of the state. And they still refer to our people, Negro, Blacks, and Coloreds, so-called as wards of the state, because there was something that was never corrected after this institution of slavery ended. And this is what we have to uncover because the conditions we find our people in today is a direct result of what happened after this institution of slavery. They just masked the same uh, mistreatments of, of the past time and they mirror the mistreatments of today of the same group of people. And they have have you believing, have us believing the illusion that we've made some progress because they give a few Negroes a couple dollars. But that that's not real, right? The ancestors knew that in the 60s that wasn't real. They knew of their open oppressor. And in the 2020s, it's like we all feel as though we're not being oppressed because individually, you know, you're making a couple dollars when like collectively you still know systematically there's something imbalanced here. But I want to qualify this particular book, right? Under the Freedmen's Bureau, the Guardianship and the Reconstruction of the Nation of Georgia, 1865 to 1870. Now that particular date is key because the Freedmen's Bureau was set in place to Remember, they were supposed to restore all of the shit that they destroyed, you know, families, generational, generationally, right? And this where the concept of that 40 acres and the mule, you know, they were supposed to give people farming supplies and all this stuff. This is land that they stole from the indigenous people. It's not like we're asking for no fucking handouts. But the Freedmen's Bureau was set up in place to do just that. That's where the concept of 40 acres and the mule came from. And niggas ain't getting no, no mule <laughs> nor no acres. And... The Freemans Bureau was shut down after five years and they just said, fuck it, leave these niggas to be. And even when we uh, was left to our own vices and we were left to thrive for ourselves, no, not even a fucking apology for slavery, not even any type of reparation still to this day. The only people compensated were the slave masters for their property that they lost after the Civil War. But 
even after that, when our people said, you know what, fuck it, we're going to do for ourselves. We did for ourselves. We had all so-called black towns, all melanated people, you know, like Black Wall Street. We had a hundred of those, hundreds of those across the country. And Black Wall Street was burnt to the ground in 24 hours by an angry white mob. Should have been an act of terrorism today, but hey, it was just the cost of doing business because we don't like you niggas thriving around us. And the poor whites burnt the town down to, an, to the ground, 24 hours. Rosewood as well. Hundreds of other towns, hundreds, hundreds of other towns. We also had, you know, our own banks, hospitals, bakeries, nail shops, hair shops, uh, car, uh, car, uh, car uh, repair shops. All of this stuff we were doing for ourselves. So it's not the concept of, well, these people just want a handout and they can't do for themselves. When we do for ourselves and we promote unity amongst our community, that's a threat to their so-called system of white supremacy, right? Because the first people that received the hands out, the handouts were these whites. And in fact, the Freedmen's Bureau <laughs> gave funds and land to poor whites, ex-slaves themselves, so-called indentured servants. And we're going to qualify that because in school, a lot of us were you know taught the emancipation proclamation and that shit freed the slaves and all this other all this other cap that they've been talking but how many of us actually read the shit not when they read it to you in school when you was in elementary school i'm talking about since you became an adult have you actually read the fucking emancipation proclamation well let's go over it because i want to examine something and i want to point out the bullshit and qualify my statements with scholarship because when i said that they helped these poor whites so where so really they got the aid that was supposed to be promised to you for fighting in the civil war right for helping them gain their independence they since overlooked that and then all the funds went to the, the whites the land grab grants of 1895 right the farming subsidies that was supposed to go to our people because of the destruction they caused nope it went to the poor whites and many of them that benefited from the institution of slavery but let's be clear Many of them were slaves themselves, uh, indentured servants, you know, and fraudulent contracts with their own people that were promised acres of land and their own people reneged on them. So when they renege, <laughs> they make you a renegger. <laughs> so to renege would be a renegger, huh? Funny, right? But let's let's look at this particular emancipation proclamation because it's it's key, right? And when we look at this, it's like how many people actually read it to understand what the language means. See, a lot of us read, but reading comprehension is key because you have to understand what you're reading. Now, if someone else gives you an interpretation and you say, oh, okay, well, that, that's what that means. And that's how they taught us in school or rather indoctrinated us in school, right? They, they gave us their interpretation of what, you know, these uh, documents meant. And remember, our people still celebrate Juneteenth, right? Juneteenth was, a particular group of towns that didn't know that the institution of slavery ended because they still had shit moving as business as usual, right? And the sad part is our people celebrate that shit like it's a day of independence when it was a day of furthering ignorance, right? It, it, it wasn't, you know, independence, as they say. It was a way of furthering the ignorance or to mask, right? To mask what they never intended to stop you know they wanted to keep this shit going and all they did was just change the the style in which they were doing business but it's still you know fraudulent contracts all that shit is still taking place 
and none of it has changed. So now when you look at this particular emancipation proclamation, right? It doesn't mention freeing anyone from Africa, but, but they keep telling you, you came from Africa and you're an African American and hey, well, you're like 50 other names too, you know, and they just keep changing the shit, right? So let's look at this particular emancipation proclamation because they were talking about freeing poor whites and the Freedmen's Bureau was set up to give funds to the poor whites. In fact, the Freedmen's Bureau is what you call the welfare system today. And you notice how they still say, well, our people are on welfare and all this other shit. But the Freedmen's Bureau was the first setup of this government funds and all this shit. But it was something that they promised because our people fought in the fucking civil war. Do you understand that? Many of the soldiers in the war didn't even get paid. So look, a lot of our people in the armed services and they still aren't compensated. Fucking nerve of these people. But let's look at this document, shall we? President Abraham Lincoln issued the Emancipation Proclamation on January 1st, 1863. And it's kind of why everyone celebrates January 1st as the new year, but it's really the fiscal year. It's dealing with uh, wage debt slaves because the original uh, new year starts March 21st, 321. The start of spring, new life springs forth, right? So now the Emancipation uh, Proclamation issued on January 1st, 1863 as the nation, remember 1863, but remember they, they speak of you being freed 1865, two years later. But, but remember the proclamation was just a public fucking announcement. It had no force behind it. That's why they gave Lincoln a bullet who was also mixed, right? had Negro blood, excuse me, melanated blood. Okay, so now, on January 1st, 1863, as the nation approached its third year of bloody civil war, right? Remember, they were fighting on both sides. The North and the South wasn't fighting to end slavery. They both wanted the money. The North was upset that the South had a larger population, i.e. the South had more votes, more property owners, right? That had plantations, they had the bag, so it was a political thing. That shit had nothing to do with ending the institution of slavery. They didn't give a fuck. Let's, let's be clear on that. And we came in to be the common denominator because our people fought on both sides of the war, right? But we fought and the reason the war was won because many of us enlisted. And they promised us many things for getting into their conflict. And they reneged. So now, then as the nation approached this, this third year of bloody civil war, the proclamation declared that all persons held as slaves within the rebellious states are and henceforth shall be free. Let's be clear. Let's look at that statement again. All persons held as slaves. Why doesn't it say the millions of niggas we stole from Africa? The millions of blacks we stole from Africa. The millions of Negroes. The millions of colors. It don't mention any fucking people by description. It doesn't many mention a population of people. It doesn't mention a people from a particular land. All such persons. Hmm. Because they were hiding the fact that this shit freed the white slaves from their indentured servant contracts. Many of them were still poor. In fact, 89.9% of these so-called whites that you see of today, their families didn't have the financial incentives to own any fucking slaves of any color. It's all cap. Many of them were poor fucking whites all the way up to the 1920s and 30s. They got government subsidies, i.e. 
welfare. And they keep telling you to get off welfare. When you would peel back and you would find how their grandfathers got their farms and their acres of land and a lot of this shit was given to them by way of the Naturalization, Naturalization Act of 1790, where they became white by way of legislation. Got nothing to do with skin color. We're talking status because a free white person meant you were a property owner. You had the right to vote. See what's going on? So they started to give them the acres of land that they promised our people. Still to this day, we haven't got any compensation, any reparation, not even a fucking apology. And they don't understand why you're uh, still a little bit angry about racism and which is what slavery is. It's just another form of discrimination, class discrimination. So the Emancipation Proclamation says free all such persons held as slaves within the rebellious states are and henceforth shall be free. Despite the expansive wording, the Emancipation Proclamation limited it in many ways. See, it applied only to states that had succeeded from the United States, leaving slavery untouched in the loyal border states. See, shit was still going on. It also expressly attempt, excuse me, it also expressly exempted parts of the Confederacy. So some of the Southern states were still allowed to practice slavery even after this nigga made this Emancipation Proclamation. This is why they end up giving him a bullet to the head because he was just a token half nigga to basically propagate this promise that was never made out on. Despite the expansive uh, wording, the Emancipation Proclamation was limited in many ways. It applied only to the states that had succeeded from the United States, leaving slavery untouched in the loyal borders. It also expressly exempted parts of the Confederacy, the South secessionist states that had already come under Northern control. Most important, the freedom it promised depended upon Union States military victory. See, so you niggas help us fight the war and if we win the war, then you niggas would be free. We fought the war, they won the war, they didn't even pay the soldiers for fighting in the war, and they never gave the promise to the population at large that they made to the people that entrusted this government and put their faith in this bullshit system. And we're in the 2020s and you see where that got us. Most important, the freedom it promised depended upon the Union States military victory. Although the Emancipation Proclamation did not end slavery in the nation, it captured the hearts and the imaginations of millions of Americans, fundamentally transformed the character of war. See, so all through school, they was teaching us that this shit, this nigga freed the slave, like my nigga, what slaves you freed? Because they keep saying, when they say the word slave, your mind goes back to a propagated fucking slave movie, which is all cap. But... They don't mention these slaves by name. Kind of funny, because they don't tell you about these white slaves that weren't white. Big facts, we talking about pale skin, because white is a status, just like black is a status. Because after slavery, even in this Emancipation Proclamation, it don't mention no black people, because they didn't start to call you black until after 1969, which was also a misnomer. They called you Negro, called you colored, called you an Afro-American. We're the only people in history whose names keep changing. If I owe you something, right, like acres of land and money and compensation and reparation, if I change your name, then I don't owe you. <laughs> See why they keep changing the name of our people? 
because they don't never have to address the Holocaust of our people, but they can remind you of a fraudulent fucking Holocaust with the fraudulent Jewish community. Right. And I say that and I qualify with scholarship because after the uh, Holocaust, you had about 200 million, uh, excuse me, 2 million uh, Jews that made the initial claim. But once the reparations money start coming out from various nations, you had about 9 million people convert to Judaism. Right. Fraudulent motherfuckers that became Jews by way of their religious faith. Huh, wait a minute. How can you be of a bloodline by reading a book? The imposter Jews. The Satan of Sen the, the synagogue of Satan as the book tells on them. Tells you of some people that would be in, in, imposters of the children of the Most High. And it speaks of the conditions the children of the Most High will go under. And we're the only people that still are experiencing a holocaust but they keep telling you to go to their fucking museum man go to any street corner in the hood and, and and that's our museum but yet they don't want to talk about that but let me get back although the emancipation proclamation did not end slavery in the nation it captured the hearts and the imaginations of millions millions hmm, of americans and fundamentally transformed the character of war after january 1st 1863, every advance of federal troops expanded the domain of freedom. Moreover, the proclamation announced the acceptance of black men into the Union Army and Navy, enabling the liberated to become liberators. By the end of the war, almost 200,000 black soldiers and sailors had fought for the Union and freedom. See, they made you think that you were equal because you could fight in a war, but they couldn't win the war without you. And then they didn't compensate you for fighting in the war. See, that's the part they leave out. Right. From the first day of the Civil War, slaves had acted to secure their own liberty. The Emancipation Proclamation confirmed their in insistence that the war for the Union must become a war for freedom. See, that's how they sold it. It added more, but we fought for the freedom of these so-called white slaves. That's why in Emancipation Proclamation, it says free all such persons held as slaves. Why doesn't it say niggas from Africa, black people, colored people, Negroes, niggas? It don't say none of that because they're hiding what happened. Continuing on for the first day of the Civil War, right? Slaves acted to secure their own liberty as a milestone. Along the road to slavery's final uh, destruction, the Emancipation Proclamation has assumed a place among the great documents of human freedom. See, that was the fraud. The fucking document didn't free nobody because they couldn't enforce this shit without the military. How do you prove that? You remember in the, in the 50s when you had the eight students that, that just wanted to go to fucking school? They was trying to go to college and these so-called white kids, you had Jerry Jones, the sports nigga, right? <laughs> Jerry Jones was one of the teens heckling these kids and you niggas can't go to our schools all white school but but you're free right and everybody's equal but these eight students were such a threat because they wanted to get a fucking education they were escorted to school by the military do you see what's going on so after they so-called ended slavery you had all these poor whites that didn't want you to get your shit back so they always had this deep animosity and this anger towards you because you were being mistreated and you were mentioning you were being mistreated. What kind of shit is that? But these states said, fuck, 
what the president talking about. That's why they gave him a bullet. They said, fuck what he talking about. Fuck that proclamation. Niggas had to enforce it with the military. And even during this Freedmen's Bureau, when they were trying to allocate land back to our people that they stole, right? Stolen land, stolen people. They, they, they had to use uh, military soldiers to escort around these federal, uh, these uh, Freedmen Bureau agents. So none of the land, none of the 40 acres and a mule, none of that shit was given to our people. Because after a while, they removed the military troops. The president did that. Nah, let's fall back. So more racism, nothing to see here when this shit is more racist than ever. Because you can't identify racism like an outfit, right? You can't tell someone's racist. It's an idea that's in someone's fucking head. Do you understand? It's an ideology. So getting back to this, the original Emancipation Proclamation of January 1st, 1863 in the National Archives in Washington, D.C. with the text covering five pages the document was originally tied with narrow red and red and blue ribbons, which were attached to the signature page by a uh, wafered impress of the seal of the United States. Most of the ribbons remains part remain uh, part of the seal are still decipherable, but other parts have worn off. The document was bound with other proclamations in a large uh, volume preserved for many years by the Department of State. When it was prepared for binding, it was reinforced with stripes along the centerfold, right? They're just talking about the particular document, but getting back to this, let's read what this actual proclamation says, and it's going to show you and prove everything I just stated previously. Proclamation. Whereas on the 22nd day of September, in the year of our Lord, 1862, a proclamation was issued by the President of the United States containing, among other things, the following to wit, that on the first day of January, in the year of our Lord, 1863, all persons held as slaves within any state or designated part of a state the people where, whereof shall then be in rebellion against the United States shall be then thenceforth and forever free. Why doesn't it mention all of these slaves from Africa? Why doesn't it mention all of these Negroes? Why doesn't it mention all of these blacks? Why does it say all such persons held as slaves? Because they're referring to the white slaves and we fought in the Civil War to free many of these poor whites from their fraudulent indentured servant contracts, which was the same thing they imposed on our people. It was, it was indentured servitude, but then it became a way because high demand of our skills that they locked in these contracts for longer periods of time which became the form of what we call chattel slavery because it was a class thing. Let's, let's produce more fraudulent contracts on this particular class of people because they're better workers. See what's going on? We could swindle them. And in fact, they're having more children. They got stronger bloodlines. We can lock contracts on the children too. And that's what it became. Continuing on. Executive government of the United States, including the military and naval authority thereof, will recognize and maintain the freedom of such persons. See, recognize and maintain the freedom. So they had to use the military and the naval forces to enforce, yo, these people are free and, and you, and, and you got to treat them equal. But they had to use guns to do it. Force. Do you see what's going on? But I thought it was the law 
I thought it was something they passed. I thought it was something that the president did. The fuck out of here. Just like the Zoom call president of today has no power, Lincoln ain't have no power. All cap. Including the military and naval authority thereof will recognize and maintain the freedom of such persons and will not act or acts to repress such persons. Such persons. Why doesn't it mention niggas from Africa, black slaves? Such persons. Why is it speaking so ambiguously? Repress such persons or any of them and any efforts they may they may make for their actual listen listen to this <laughs> it's tricky see this is the land of the forked tongue the freedom will recognize and maintain the freedom of such persons and will and will do not act or acts to repress such persons or any of them or any of them and any efforts they may make for their actual freedom hmm but I thought the Emancipation Proclamation gave people their freedom. Any attempts, that any efforts to, to make for their actual freedom. Right, because you still ain't actually free. That the will, that the executive will on the first day of the January, as, as foresaid by proclamation, designate that the states and parts of the states, if any in which the people thereof respectively shall then be in rebellion against the United States. And the fact that any state or the people thereof shall on that day be in good faith represented in the Congress of the United States by members chosen thereto at elections wherein majority of the qualified voters of such state shall have participated, shall in the absence of strong countervailing testimony be deemed conclusive evidence that such state and the people thereof are not then in rebellion against the United States. See? So anybody that was still trying to push slavery, they saying you were rebels. You were in rebellion against the United States. But remember, they couldn't enforce none of this shit they was talking because they had to, had to use the military to say, treat these people fairly, treat them freely. Really? Now, therefore, I, Abraham Lincoln, President of the United States, by virtue of the power in me vested as commander-in-chief of the army and navy of the united states in time of actual listen the time of actual armed rebellion right because remember they were fighting each other against the authority and government of the united states and as fit and necessary war measure for suppressing said rebellion due on this day of january in the year of our lord 1863 and in accordance with my purpose so to do publicly proclaimed for the full period of 100 days. Listen to what he just said. The proclamation lasted for 100 days. That means they would enforce it with the, the Navy and the Army for 100 days. And after that 100 days, you niggas on your own. After that 100 days, they can still implement the black codes. Look up the black codes, which is how they treat so-called slaves. Today, they still treat you under these particular codes. The police, same shit. That's why the cops can shoot you in the street and they still can justify it and say the cop feared for his life. Because they can still kill you because your status says you have no rights civilly. Black denotes to civilitaire mortus, which means your rights are civilly dead in the eyes of the law. That's why you're still screaming your life matters in 2023. 
Nothing has fucking changed. So after the hundred hundred year hundred days, after the hundred days of this fraudulent document put out by Lincoln, the military was removed, and the Freemans Bureau could not in, not enforce its policy when they were supposed to give you the 40 acres and a mule and all this other shit that they were supposed to promise you after this war that you fought in that they didn't compensate the soldiers for fighting in all of this shit went back to the same form of slavery because the people that were so-called freed they were forced to work for their ex-slave masters and basically be locked into another fraudulent fucking contract see what's going on nothing changed now therefore right let's go find it on the day of this January 1st, uh, in the year of our Lord, 1863, in accordance with my purpose to do so publicly proclaimed for the full period of 100 days from the day first above mentioned, order and designate as the states and parts of the states wherein the people thereof respectively are this day in rebellion against the United States, the following to wit. Now pay attention to this part. Arkansas. Arkansas, you want to say Arkansas, Arkansas, Texas, Louisiana, except the parishes of St. Bernard, uh, Plaquemines, Plaquemine, Jefferson, St. Johnson, St. Charles, St. James, Ascension, uh, Assumption of Terrebonne, Lafourche, St. Marie, St. Martin, and Orleans, including the city of Orleans. So they excluded certain counties from this proclamation. Y'all niggas can still get money. Don't worry about that shit. <laughs> that don't apply to y'all. Go on and get your money, my nigga. Hmm. But I thought everybody was freed in all the lands. Continuing on. Mississippi, Alabama, Florida, Georgia, South Carolina, North Carolina, and Virginia. Except the, except the 48 counties designated as West Virginia. They can still get it popping with slavery. See what's going on? Who the fuck got freed? Because in all these lands, you had melanated people. See what's going on? Except the 48 counties designated as West Virginia and also the counties of Berkeley, Accomack, Northampton, Elizabeth City, York, Prince Anne, and Norfolk, including the cities of Norfolk and Pottsmouth, and which expected, which, which accepted parts uh, are for the present, left precisely as if this proclamate, listen to what it just says, all of those states and counties that I just mentioned, including the cities of Norfolk and Pottsmouth, and which accepted parts are for the present left precisely as if this proclamation was not issued. So damn near 70 parts of the country, they said, yo, my nigga, that, that proclamation don't mean shit. Wipe your ass with it. <laughs> Y'all can still produce your institution of slavery unencumbered. But they taught you all this shit in school that they freed all these black people. But it don't mention nobody black in the damn uh, proclamation. All such persons held as slaves. I.e. 90% of these people they talking about were so-called white slaves in their fraudulent indentured servitude contracts. And once they got them out their contract, they gave them a new status and they started to give them land grab grants and farming subsidies. And they gave your people nothing. The Freemans Bureau was supposed to restore everything they stole from our people. But then they just turned it into a system of welfare. And then say, you niggas got to get off welfare. Where the fuck are those acres at? Right. We ain't forgot and we not going to forget. Continuing on. 
I'll read that last part again. And which accepted parts are for the present left precisely as if this proclamation were not issued. And by virtue of the power and for the purpose foresaid, I do order and declare that all persons held as slaves within the designated states and parts of the states are and henceforth shall be free. Why doesn't it mention black people from Africa? Why doesn't it mention coloreds, Negroes, African-Americans, Afro-Americans? Why the fuck doesn't it mention you by name? Because they were freeing white slaves. That shit had nothing to do with you. You fought in a war to free their people, to give them a better status, and to lock you into the lowest status on the land generationally. Still till this day, you find yourself in the same conditions. And they keep telling you because they gave a few sold out niggas a couple 30 pieces of silver that you made something as a population, as a nation. Right. But yet, during Katrina, when millions of people went missing, hundreds of thousands of people went missing at that Superdome, never to be seen again. The, the millions and millions they raised from the Red Cross, the money never went to the people. They never rebuilt the lands. They just stole the land from the fucking people. They referred to the people on the news as refugees, landless, homeless niggas. <laughs> right. But you're free when you are the true American. Webster's Merriam Dictionary, 1875, the definition for American. The copper colored races here when Columbus arrived, later changed to the descendants of Europeans. They traded places with you. They got their bag up and they saying, nigga, why you still got your hand out? Even though they stole all the shit from you. Oh, that part. I do order and declare that all persons held as slaves within said designated states and parts of the states are and henceforth shall be free, and that the executive government of the United States, including the military and naval authorities thereof, will recognize and maintain the freedom of said person. See? They had to use the military to enforce this shit, because it was fraudulent. And I hereby enjoy, enjoin upon the people so declared to be free, the people, so declared to be free. It doesn't mention African, doesn't mention black, doesn't mention Negro, doesn't mention colored. Nowhere in this motherfucking document. Right. And I hereby enjoin upon the people so declared to be free to abstain from all violence. Listen. To abstain from all violence unless in necessary self-defense. Do you see what's going on? That's why the cop can fucking shoot you in the street with his body camera on. And all they got to say is I feared for my life. So I shot the nigga. I shot the nigga 57 times. I feared for my life. He was reaching for his phone, but it looked like a gun. So I emptied a clip on that nigga. I fear for my life. Oh, that's self-defense. See? This document gave them power to continue to do what they're, what they're doing. And just make up a fake ass justification. <laughs> they never taught this document in school because it would expose every administration in this country. It would expose every government, every Congress member, and all of the bullshit that's, that got these niggas pissing on the Constitution still to this day. Wow, this is crazy. And I hereby enjoin upon the people so declared to be free to abstain from all violence unless in necessary self-defense. And I recommend to them that in all cases, when allowed, 
they labor faithfully for reasonable wages. See, you niggas go back to work. We're going to make sure the contracts is right. But the agents of the Freedmen's Bureau, they were advocating to get better contracts for these now so-called ex-slaves that say, yo, pay these niggas what they worth. If they work for you, pay them a fair wage. That still didn't happen. They said, fuck the border agents. I mean, fuck the Freedmen's Bureau agents. They said, fuck the military. I'm still going to lock them into a fraudulent contract. And you still have that uh, taking place today with the Fortune 500 companies, the, the Amazons of the world. Why do you think they frown upon unions? Because the unions fight for fair contracts. Nothing has fucking changed. They just took the physical chains off, but the population in this country are still dead slaves. Nothing's changed. And people keep making it seem like they made something different. It's no such thing as a middle class, my nigga. You got the haves and you got everybody else. Let's be clear. 90% of this country is living check to check, making it look like they got it. Fuck out of here. When, when the pandemic started in 2020 and they stopped all the wheels of industry, they put everybody on the same level playing field. They lifted the veil of the illusion. But if you keep thinking you went back to a normal, you're okay. Three of the largest banks fucking co collapsed this week. Okay. <laughs> they said they're not insuring your money after 250000 Okay. You, you think this shit is going to change or you think this is a tower waiting to topple? Wait for 2024. Why hasn't nobody announced that they're running for president? Because <laughs> this shit already collapsed. The Zoom call president is just a fucking proxy president. Him and this corny ass vice president. But y'all ain't figured it out yet. And that's why they wanted to get Trump out because he was outing the policy of all of these administrations. See, when so-called white people beef, they throw all their shit in the street. They tell everybody. And that's what he was doing. He was trying to put a bill to abolish the IRS. Said they was fraudulent. All this shit he was pushing. He was ruffling feathers in these crackers. But they made him the villain. And everybody said, get this nigga out. And the country's been going to shit since the Zoom call president got in. And nobody's saying anything. Nothing. Nothing. Four million people come pouring into the country illegally. Nobody gives a fuck. In fact, they're giving them jobs, driver's license, the right to vote. The fucking mayor of New York City said he's no, he's allocating $4 billion to send immigrants to college. Oh, really? Where the New York City's homeless population, they throwing them niggas in, in, in psych wards, in, in, in medical facilities, i.e. crazy hospitals. But, but they're giving the immigrants... <laughs> Hotel stays and shit. Five-star hotel stays. They're paying them $1,000 a month. Free money. Right. You okay. You okay. All that shit is cool, right? Nobody got nothing to see here, right? Cool. And I further declare and make known that such person, see, it never mentions any people by name. Why is that? And I further declare and make known that such persons of suitable condition will be received into the armed services of the United States to garrison forts, positions, stations, and other places, and to man vessels of all sorts in said service. And you act like it's some racism in the military. Okay. And upon this act, sincerely believe to be an act of justice warranted by the Constitution upon military necessity, I invoke upon military necessity. I invoke the considerate judgment of mankind and the gracious favor of the almighty God in witness whereof 
I have hereunto set my hand and caused the seal of the United States to be affixed, done on the city of Washington the first day of January in the year of our Lord, 1863, and the independence of the United States of America the 87th by the president, Abraham Lincoln, William H. Sheward, uh, Secretary of State. Now, as I said, who actually got freed? The document don't mention none of that. The document says, man, we're going we gonna to have to enforce that document by using the military. But then after they removed the military troops after the 100 days, because the proclamation only lasted 100 days, they was just basically forcing the people to comply for 100 days. Let's make this shit look good for these niggas. By that time, after the 100 days lapsed, they forced our people into fraudulent contracts again, which was still slavery. Because that's what it was, indentured servitude. We keep thinking that it was just these populations of white people to just say, I'm going to steal me some niggas and I'm going to make slaves. No, you had the Fortune 5 com country companies of today. They were bonding companies of old. They leased out human labor. The Virginia Tobacco Company, the East Indian Company, the London Company, all of these were companies. That the banks of America, the, J the Chases, the JP Morgan, that's where they funneled their money. They became banks. But they were bonding companies before they were banks. These are the motherfuckers that owe reparations. Among others. See why they won't mention you by name? But I had to qualify this for a particular reason. Once I go into this book and you start to see a lot of the accounts recorded by the author and the receipts, right? Because the dope thing about books, it gives you the bibliography, right? You ain't got to take my word for it. You ain't got to take the writer's word for it. Do your own research. Follow the truth where it, where, it, where it takes you. So let's get into this a little bit. Under the Freedmen's Bureau, Guardianship and the Reconstruction of the Nation of Georgia. 1865 and 1868 by Paul C. Simbola. See, remember, the nation of Georgia, because each state is its own country. Each state has its own constitution. See, we, we get confused when we hear the word states. It's a state of being, a state of mind, right? These states were actually their own countries, which they still are. This is why one state could say weed is legal and the other state says it's illegal because they are their own country. See what's going on? But I thought they were all united. Right. Let's get into this powerful literary work. Under the guardianship of the nation, because they still have our people classified as Negro, Blacks, and Coloreds, but not giving them a national identity or adhering to their own national identity because you are the true American. So they still have you listed as a ward of the state, i.e., why they keep calling you a minority when we outpopulate every other group of people in this country because we were the indigenous people here before all this shit started. But when they refer to minority, they're referring to the law dictionary of minority, which means you're incompetent, you're a child, you're unable to handle your own affairs, i.e. you're a ward of the state. See what's going on? That's why they call your parents a guardian. You're looking after the state's child because the child belongs to the state. See, see what they perpetrated by way of the fraudulent birth certificates, which were also <laughs> fraudulent contracts. Big facts. 
So let's look at here, the introduction. Soon after Abraham Lincoln issued his proclamation on January 1st, 1863, I went over that, an increasingly vocal segment of the Republican Party argued that some sort of agency of the federal government should take responsibility for, guard, for uh, guiding the South's slaves from bondage to freedom, i.e. the Freedmen's Bureau. Eventually, on March 3rd, 1865, Congress legislated and uh, Lincoln signed into existence the nation's first regulatory and social welfare agency. That's what the Freedmen's Bureau was. And that's what why they demolished it in 1870, never gave you the 40 acres and a mule and just created the motherfucking welfare system. And they gave you public housing opposed to actual housing, opposed to an actual house. But they gave the poor whites land grants, farming subsidies. That was welfare. They don't tell you about that. And they forced you into public housing, which the first uh, projects were filled with white populations. Now, go earlier to the book report series. I go over a book, The Color of Law, which speaks of the, the first inception of the projects and who were the first inhabitants. All right. See, same thing with slavery. All that shit was first pushed on their own people and later perfected on us. Big facts. It's all about a bag. Man, Lincoln signed into existence the nation's first regulatory and social welfare agency. See, that's why they say free all such persons, because the so-called welfare agency, the Freedmen's Bureau, helped out more whites than it did melanated people. But they don't want to tell you that. They got you thinking that all these niggas were slave masters fuck out of here poor whites my g and social welfare agency to which the government changed excuse me which the government charged the supervisor and management of all abandoned lands see abandoned lands and the control of all subjects relating to refugees and freemen from the rebel states and I tell you, during Katrina, they refer to the melanated so-called black population as refugees, still to this day. Legislative uh, language gave the agency its formal title, the Bureau of Refugees, Freedmen, and Abandoned Lands. That was the full title of the Freedmen's Bureau, which later would become the so-called welfare system. But its more commonly used name, the Freedmen's Bureau reflected its primary concern. This Freedmen's Bureau was an extraordinary agency born of the expansion of federal power during the Civil War and the Union's desire to do something for the South's emancipated slaves. It doesn't mention black slaves, doesn't mention African slaves. They're hiding something. There was no precedent for such an agency potentially capable of actively influencing a wide range of affairs previously left outside of Washington's sphere. The Bureau's uh, charge to oversee all subjects relating to the ex-slaves presented its officers and agents with the opportunity to challenge old notions of labor, civil rights, politics, and other aspects of the South's racial status quo. Now, let's keep in mind. The KKK was a CIA organization that was created first, had nothing to do with racism and hate. That was all cap, uh, uh, pushed in fucking fake slave movies. These well, whites were the townspeople that put sheets on their fucking head that was trying to terrorize the people from the voting blocks because all our people were unified and we voted as one group of people. So we would get our own people into offices. They couldn't have that. We need a scattered nigga vote. 
so we could tap dance, you know, around election time to get the nigga vote when we need it. The I got hot sauce in my 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 purse, uh, Hillary Clinton statement. The you ain't black if you don't vote for me, Joe Biden statement. Shit like that. The player saxophone, I'm a, I was a nigga, I was a nigga too, Bill Clinton statement. That kind of shit. Consequently, the Bureau was in a position to play a crucial role to the implementation of the reconstruction policy. Reconstruction, right? They were supposed to restore all that they destroyed. That never happened. The reconstruction policy translating directives, laws, and constitutional guarantees into the reality promised by the emancipation. See? They never put any actual laws on the books that made shit right with our people. Never. Still to this day. Remember, Martin Luther King says, I feel as though I integrated my people into a burning house. This shit is already fucked up. Martin Luther King said that. And why did he say that when he signed the Civil Rights Bill of 1964? Because he figured out they fucking duped me. There was a Civil Rights Bill of 1868, three years after slavery, that promised the same shit that they never honored. hundred years later, never honored. After the 60s, what happened? Niggas are still protesting because they never honored anything. We still asking to be treated civil when I thought we were all equal. Let's pay attention here. Years after the Bureau's passing, see, years after the Bureau's passing, that shit only lasted for five years. And they gave all the funding to the poor whites. Closed that shit up and left the welfare system for the niggas. When this whole shit was an inception of welfare. But they really said farewell, niggas. <laughs> Alright, they gave the whites welfare and told the niggas farewell. You're on your own, nigga. But even when we were on our own and built hundreds of towns like Black Wall Street, these poor whites burnt them shits to the ground. But that's not an act of terrorism. Right. But they can tell you who's a terrorist. When we want to promote so-called unity amongst our people, they call us black nationalists, black terrorism groups. Remember the FBI came out with that shit a few years ago? That's what they fear. They fear us unifying against oppression. And they keep us all distracted and they give us a few tokens, a couple dollars, and niggas keep thinking we made progress. Okay. Ask Oprah if she made progress. She worth billions, right? She went to that store in Europe and they closed the door. They said, bitch, we think you shoplifting. Right. <laughs> okay. She got her nigga wake up call real quick. Years after the Bureau's passing, one Georgia freed woman uh, succinctly described what she and probably most freed people had expected, at least from the agency, to get things going smooth after the war. That was no easy task. Given the circumstances in Georgia, state commanders of the Freedmen's Bureau supervised anywhere from a, ha a handful of men to over 200 officers. So they had about 200 officers in this Freedmen's Bureau. Field agents, clerks, medical personnel, and special agents with all very limited resources, who on a daily basis dealt with potentially combustible problems concerning labor, education, relief, politics, and civil rights. Still to this day, our people find ourselves dealing with the same issues. Hmm, wonder why. Their authority spread over 132 counties and almost 59,000 square miles of diverse topography in the largest state east of the Mississippi. Their agency's jurisdiction included isolated cotton plantations, 
where freed people had belatedly learned of emancipation. See, that's that Juneteenth niggas was celebrating. They still was out here getting that slave bag and never told these niggas, oh man, they issued a proclamation because that proclamation ain't mean shit. See what's going on? It was all cat. They never mentioned you by name. Interesting. <laughs> the agency's jurisdiction included isolated cotton plantations where freed people had belatedly learned of emancipation, as well as the riverside rice plantations and coastal barrier islands of an exclusive black reservation where ex-slaves had established independent communities months before Appomattox. See, we, we, we started to do for ourselves. And they couldn't have that because they want you to be a worker class for them generationally. They don't ever want that to change. When they was getting that free money, they, oh man, we ain't got to do shit and we could pledge someone else's labor. Oh yeah, that's capitalism at its finest. And that's still taking place to this day. By the time the Georgia's Bureau demise in 1870, their agency had become the personification of the North's level of commitment to reconstruction for over 500 and 45,000 black Georgians and for almost 639,000 whites. See what's going on? Wait a minute. I thought these white niggas was rich and they had all this money. So the Freedmen's Bureau, this first system of welfare, helped more whites than did so-called blacks. So the land that was supposed to be allocated to our people, the 40 acres and a mule, went to these poor fucking whites and then your servants that are hiding their fucking history because many of the so-called white population in this country today, they don't know their family history past the 1800s. Shit, during the Civil War because many of them reinvented themselves. Big fucking cat. I'll read that part again. By the time of the Georgia's Bureau demise in 1870, their agency had become the personification of the North's level of commitment to reconstruction for over 445,000 black Georgians and for almost 639,000 whites who had petitioned, cooperated with, challenged, or simply ignored the Bureau at one time or another during its existence. Needless to say, their efforts at coping with what Rufus Saxton, the Georgia Bureau's first commander, called the agency's peculiar and delicate duties did not please everyone. The Georgia Freedmen's Bureau elicited uh, mixed assignments from its own and latter generations that reflected the larger debate over the role of the agencies in the reconstruction of the South. From its inception, the Bureau at all levels aroused controversy. Its contemporaries, North and South, argued about the agency's uh, proprietary and efficacy, demanding, damning it for doing too little and damning it for doing too much. Older scholarly works condemned the Bureau for forcing an unjust reconstruction on the white South. Ain't that a bitch? You trying to get these niggas back the shit we stole from them? Nah, we trying to keep it. But most recent historians have been critical of the agency for failing to push hard for the physical and economic security of the freed people within the context of civil war and political rights. These critics have argued that the officers and agents of the Bureau lacked real commitment to the free people's cause and either did not care or were too concerned primarily with reestablishing social and economic order and a profit 
and profitable agricultural system under the control of white employers. What's going on? The men of the Bureau, so its critics have argued, most often that not align themselves with white Southerners or simply failed to take into consideration the aspirations of the former slaves. Still to this day, they don't give a fuck about your freedom because you ain't free. There are exceptions to this interpretation. Some scholars have attempted to understand the Bureau's methods and goals within the context of the 19th century America, which is much more fruitful approach than trying to measure its agents and offices and officers against the social and political yardsticks of the post-civil rights era of the present century. Despite the very real flaws of the agency, its men deserve better than a summary uh, dismissal of their work as being no more than the efforts of a racist society attempting to define a subordinate kind of freedom, a subordinate kind of freedom for the ex-slaves. Critics of the Georgia Bureau tend to focus their negative uh, assessments on the agents, agency, especially on the tenure of Davison Tilson. Davis Tilson, the state's second assistant uh, commissioner. Tilson is best remembered for his aggressive pursuit of a contract system that returned the freed people to the status of laborers under the supervision of their former masters. So you're free. But the Freedmen's Bureau, the people that were supposed to give you back what they stole, they were charged, they were in charge of putting you back into fraudulent contracts with your so-called former master. Right. They'll never teach this shit in school. And this is why they talk about this critical race theory bullshit. Because it's to, to hide the whole conversation of slavery altogether. They don't want the truth to come out. But books like this should be introduced to our children. Parents, if you're listening to this podcast, listen to this podcast with your babies. Get these books for them. Start having real class, real school in your homes. They're never going to tell you the truth about what happened because once you know the truth, you're going to demand that they make it right. And we stop demanding because we're so distracted with fucking hip hop and all this other bullshit and award shows and fake trophies. And look at that shit. Like, look what happened with Angela Bassett on, on the Oscars. You see the pain in the sister's eyes like, oh, my God, I've been stepping and fetching for, the, for these fuckers, fuckers in Hollywood for how many years and I keep getting overlooked by terrible so-called white actors because they know niggas like trophies and you're going to keep tap dancing until you finally get your shiny gold trophy come on man we got to get off that shit we are brilliant people and we need to stand up for us and our issues and get off the shit that they talking about fuck trying to be in a club that's the illusion of inclusion Cause yeah, you changed in the tax bracket and you making millions, but they can make one phone call to the IRS and they delete your fucking account. And you back to being a nigga, nigga. The illusion of inclusion. Critics of the Bureau tend to focus their negative assessments on the agencies on the tenure of David Tilson, right? Tilson is best remembered for his aggressive pursuit of the contract system that returned the free people to the status of laborers under the supervision of their former masters. His use of native white Georgians as agents and his supervision of the disposition of the free people who claimed the land along Georgia's coast. That's fucking crazy. So they had agents 
that was supposed to help the, the free people get their land and acres of land and the agents were white people. Make that make sense. Just like they got the, the people running the welfare system, white people, which the same shit of welfare was the Freemans Bureau. But when we come back, let's take a break. Let you guys dissect a lot of the stuff we just went over. Let's take a break. We'll be back. The Third Eye High Podcast. I am your host, JF Bay. I'm just here to shine my light your way to help you find your light switch and keep your light lit. Welcome back. So let's continue on. Where were we? Tilson is best remembered for his aggressive pursuit of a contract system that returned the free people to the status of laborers under the supervision of their former masters. His use of native white Georgians as agents and his supervision of the dispulsion of the free people who claimed lands along Georgia's coast. Thus, the change of bureau command from Rufus Saxton who was arguably, of all the assistant commissioners, the most sympathetic to the great aspirations of the free people, to Tilson, could be viewed as a shift from a racial order, a racial officer who had acted in the ex-slave's best interest, to according, according to his bureau commander and his critics, a conservative, a harmonizer, leaning possibly to the side of the white employers. And the policies of Andrew Johnson, in this assessment, Tilson turned the Bureau into the planter's procurer of black labor. Unconcerned with the free people's ambition, ambitions beyond having a place to work. The change in administration in January 1867 supposedly reversed this trend. Tilson's successor, Caleb C. Uh, Sibley and John Randolph Lewis, in part because of their emphasis on the importance of education redeemed the promise. This neat compartmentalization of events and attitudes, however, distorts the complexity of the men, their ideas and the circumstances in which they functioned. More than anything else, a change of administration shifted the Bureau's priorities and tactics, but it altered neither the basic assumptions these Bureau men brought to their jobs nor the Bureau's ultimate goal. In fact, the administrations of Georgia's assistant commissioners had much in common. All hoped to secure justice for the freedmen. All hoped to leave Georgia's ex-slaves with the ability to advance in life on their own once the agencies withdrew from the state. And all had an ideological framework within which they could push for an expanded definition of black freedom. In some respects, the Bureau's work, especially the contract system it advocated, appeared to be directly descendant from the wartime policies of the Union Army in the Mississippi Valley. However, to draw a line from those earlier efforts designed for coping with contrabands while fighting a war to the work of the Georgia Bureau, including the administration of David Tilson, would be a mistake. Bureau men had a difference, a different purpose. Furthermore, they were sufficiently sensitive to the rapidly changing conditions that incurred, that encountered in Georgia to adjust to the new challenges before them. In the process, 
Bureau officers developed a sense of what had to be done to obtain justice for the free people and to leave them better able to cope with the challenges of freedom on their own. If the men of the Bureau drew on previous experiences to help bring meaning uh, to their work, they looked beyond wartime contraband policy to the antebellum ideas that had matured the free labor ideology embodied in the Republican Party. So let's look at this part here, right? The Freeman's Bureau commitment, commitment to such ideas as individualism and equality before the law, as well as the positive effects of hard work and education, provided its assistant commissioners, as well as a number of its officers and Yankee agents with potent weapons of change. Such values as these were the empty uh, shibboleths, especially when one realizes that with the Bureau men, did in the name of their ideals frequently risk alienating or provoking the white population that their critics accuse them of courting. It is an examination of the ideas that establish the intellectual parameters of action that become the starting point for understanding the Freedmen's Bureau in Georgia. The intellectual parameter of action, of course, physically shaped the agency as Assistant Commissioner Strobe to establish a bureaucracy that could implement their ideas. The subject of the second chapter of this study, the circumstances surrounding the appointments of Georgia's assistant commissioners, the reason for changes in administration, the reorganization of the agency, and the, implement, and the implements placed in the way of the assistant commissioners as they tried to establish functional and effective chains of command, including some difficult times, difficult relationships that the Georgia Bureau had with the Army all reveal much more about the reconstruction and the prospects of the Bureau's success. Now, they had issues with the Army. Remember, the Emancipation Proclamation was enforced by what? Military. So the Bureau couldn't restore lands or give land to the free people, the 40 acres and the mule, if they didn't have no military force. And the military said, fuck that. We're not helping you help these niggas help themselves. See what's going on? So everyone that was supposedly saying, yeah, free people, and we're all in, in support of this uh, new freedom idea, they all were frowning upon that shit. They all was still getting money on the low because the Emancipation Proclamation itself excluded many of the states that were participating in slavery they said yo this document don't even apply to you keep getting your money my nigga keep getting your cotton bags matter of fact we're going to use the bureau to to act like we're going to give these people freedom now and we're going to force them back into the same fraudulent contracts that supposedly they were freed from during the civil war the georgia's bureau organizations Organizational changes are perhaps best illustrated by the types of men upon whom the assistant commissioner relied to carry out their agenda. Chapter 3 focuses on those appointees, services within the agency, reformers, white Georgians, and union veterans all significantly influenced the ranks of the agents and field officers. Their experience revealed not only the impact that they had on the outcome of the reconstruction, but also the impact that the ideas that motivated their commanders. But those who worked for the Bureau's goals, regardless of geographic nativity, found themselves living a hurried 
living a uh, hurried, lonely, and often dangerous existence. It was dangerous to work for the Freedmen's Bureau because you you trying to help out these ex-slaves? Get from around here. The military, fuck out of here. We're not enforcing that. Oh, we're going to get this land to them? Nah, we're going to get a land to the poor whites. See what was taking place? Many of these poor whites would join the agency so they could secure land for their own people. Right. Congress and Bureau headquarters expected these men to oversee a variety of charges that could have given significant, uh, substantive meaning to emancipation. Providing emergency relief and medical care, assisting educational enterprise, regulating labor, and guiding the free people into their quest for homesteads and supervising the processes where blacks claim their civil rights and political privileges. Still to this day, this has not happened, but you free, all right? You okay. Through the examination of these various functions in subsequent chapters, it becomes clear that the apparent weaknesses in their ideological assumptions played only a secondary role in limiting the Bureau's impact on post-bellum post Georgia. Congress too, worked within ideological limits and politicians found it difficult to expand resources on an agency that was by legislative definition only a temporary and extraordinary manifestation of federal power. See, they never intended to make good on their promise. We're going to close that shit down after a few years. Nobody actually has to follow any of this shit. In fact, the military that was supposed to enforce this freedom idea, they could go against it too. But yet, that wasn't what they told our people. If you're fighting the Civil War, you know, we're going to give you your freedom. They ain't even paid the soldiers for fighting in the fucking war. Let alone make do on a promise. This country owes. The Bureau's commitment to such concepts as justice and civil rights and to traditional American views concerning the power of work and education, even when hampered by self-imposed ideological limits, could have worked to the freedmen's advantage. If the agency had had the material resources and military force to implement the promise of those beliefs in what turned out to be an extremely hostile environment created by white Georgians. See, this is this racism we talking about. These poor fucking whites that were afforded all of these resources after slavery ended, still to this day benefit from the profits of slavery, still saying you niggas don't deserve shit. Get your ass off of welfare when the first welfare was the Freedmen's Bureau that helped out damn near 90% of poor whites. That's why they won't teach this shit in your history classes. Right. We gonna make it right though. We gonna make it right though. Facts over feelings, right? Because that's what we doing. We're getting to the facts, right? Because I speak from a passionate state. I'm not inferior to these people. I'm not angry. Nah, buddy. I know they're imposters. And my job is to be one of the scholars to get it right. I'm not a historian, I'm an our historian. I'm focusing on restoring our story. The right one this time. Not no fake ass slave movie shot by their people. Yeah, okay. Any of you actors that ever will play in a slave movie moving forward, including Will Smith, you niggas is canceled. Cancel, my nigga. The fuck out of here, 2023, you still playing in slave movies. They still got you niggas tap dancing for that 30 pieces of silver. How does it feel? You feel free? You feel free? Yeah, okay. 
Unfortunately for black Georgians, the number of officers and agents always seemed inadequate. And on too many occasions, a freedman's share of the harvest was lost. So they had a sharecropping, meaning our people never had no problem with working. We're still working because we built this fucking country. We never had a problem with working. We don't know handout people. You motherfuckers owe. But even after slavery ended, our people said, all right, we'll go back to work, but just pay us a fair wage. They still locked you into fraudulent contracts. They still reneged on your crops. Nah, we're not paying you for working this crop. But we're going to keep the profits of the entire crop. That's what that sharecropping shit was about. Fraudulent contracts. Consequently, no, unfortunately for black Georgians, the number of officers and agents always seemed inadequate. And on too many occasions, a freedman's share of the harvest was lost, literally for want of a horse. Consequently, before one criticizes the, jurors, the Georgia Bureau for failing to enforce contracts, see, or failing to provide adequate medical attention for the freed people, or failing to offer more assistance with their educational endeavors, one must ask what was actually possible for their bureau to accomplish given the resources at its disposal. Moreover, it leads one to ask what would have been necessary to convince or to force white Georgians. How you gotta force some people to treat you equal? But I thought you were equal. I thought the Emancipation Proclamation made you equal. Big fucking cat. Because racism is an idea, my nigga. That's why you can't find a racist so-called white person in this country. I'm not racist. Some of my friends are black. That kind of shit. Because racism is an idea. I can't see what's in your head. So you can discriminate. Oh, um, we're going to deny you for the bank loan. Oh, uh, nah, we're going to foreclose on your house. Uh, we're going to repossess your car. And they continue to do shit like this to one group of people. And they say, oh, that's not racism. They use their own discretion. Did you see why this conversation of racism will never be had on a real fucking platform and they can just keep tiptoeing around the uh, conversation? Now, they speak of this education that they still didn't give the people access to real education. Even when they created these fake ass HSBCUs and everybody's, you know, praising because they I went to Howard University. Well, Howard University school was founded by a so-called white person, an HSBCU. It's all fucking cap. In fact, the first students of Howard were white students. <laughs> and everybody running around like, I went to an HSBCU, like that means some shit. But they're still not telling you about this kind of history and any of those colleges. They don't mean shit. You just got a nice sweater like like fucking different world. You wearing a nice uh, college sweater like the Cosby show. That shit don't translate to nothing. The illusion of inclusion. I got receipts for what I'm talking, right? I'm not on no soapbox. We're trying to qualify with scholarships so our people can come to common ground and understand that we were duped. It's like Martin Luther King said he was duped. Bureau activity obviously did not take place in a vacuum. Georgia's emancipated slaves and their former owners faced freedom with expectations of their own. Their different versions of what the new order should be and where and where they uh, co coincided with and contradicted the Bureau's vision 
provides a reoccurring theme for the present study. The weaker party and the post-war confrontations, the free people experienced more than their share of frustrations and disappointment. But they never were simply pawns in the game. They were neither easily duped by white Southerners nor easily controlled by Yankees. Still, although they never fully accepted the role sketched out for them by their former masters. They did more, they did move cautiously towards accepting some of the notions that the agency's men brought to the South. See, our people knew who the op was. They knew who was causing their oppression. That's why we was uprising in the 60s. People was getting their mind right. Now you see these fucking paid protests by Black Lives Matter with all kind of people in the crowd and fucking paid signs and they all got signs made by the same organization. That shit is all cat. The people ain't fighting for shit. They shout, they hold a sign up and they go home. In the 60s, they was about that action. So it was effective in the 60s to do these protests and these marches. But if you still marching in 2020, you a fucking fool and somebody duped you. Where's the progress? Why are you still marching for somebody to treat you civil if you're equal? This racism shit is an idea. And we go and get it right. If I gotta slap the shit out of every crack I see. Spiritually. With this scholarship. Do you get what I'm saying? Because I don't wish harm on anyone. But I'm saying you're not gonna look me in my face and act like you don't know what time it is. Because many of them have access to these books that we're reading. In fact, many of their people wrote the books we're reading. So I don't dismiss... The truth, no matter what nationality it comes from. See, we all got to come to a real conversation. And that's what I'm saying to all these so-called whites. Be real. Be real. Your great-great-grandfather worked at the sugar plantation. He was poor white. Be real. Be real. The, the Emancipation Proclamation freed more of your people than my people. Be real about that. Don't keep running around like you niggas was all slave masters and y'all had the bag. That shit was cat. All the way up to, to the 1900s, 89% of the so-called white population in New York City were illiterate. Couldn't read or write. They're all fucking fronting. They already showed you and proved that. That 80% of the transcripts and the, the uh, degrees in this country are forged. Fake fucking degrees. A lot of these people are fronting, my nigga. Just looking nice. That's why they had them sumptuary laws. We won't go over the sumptuary laws. What are the sumptuary laws? Because after slavery, a lot of our people were dressing nice, looking nice, and they couldn't have you looking like you got money. We got to have you looking like a slave out here in them streets. A lot of those poor whites, they was, they was angry as a motherfucker when they seen our people with fur coats and pearls and all this shit in the 20s. And they would burn your fucking town down to the ground. And that wasn't racism. That, that's what I'm trying to get our people to wrap our heads around. They, they committed all this, these fucking atrocities generationally against our people. And they keep telling you, get over that shit. But, but let you say some shit about these fraudulent Jews. And they're and they, and they going to go, oh, you need to go to a museum. You need to see the Holocaust. And how dare you? You're anti-Semitic. How the fuck can I be anti-myself? I, I am one of the children of the Most High. I am the true Jew. The Jews, the, those who have the jewels of light, the light beings, those who carry the truth. Not the fake niggas wearing jewels. They got all the jewelry stores. Those motherfuckers. Not those. Because many of the so-called Jews sold out their own people, stole the wealth from their own people. You see many of them with jewelry stores today? How do you think they amassed all them diamonds? They stole the accounts from many of their own fucking people. They don't tell you about that 
in the Holocaust story. They just give you a villain. They tell you about Hitler. When he was exposing a lot of those people that were pretending to be a nationality they weren't. And he was exposing them or expelling them from the country. And we know what happened later and what they embellished on. So I'm not negating what people went through. But I'm saying our people are still going through a Holocaust and y'all motherfuckers don't even want to talk about it. Let alone compensate, give reparations, etc. The fucking nerve of you people. The Most High is going to deal with y'all. I'm telling you. This is the time we living in because all of their institutions are going to collapse during this next presidency. Wait for it. Five of the biggest fucking banks collapsed. They said, oh, that's not a bailout. Well, what is it that y'all just gave these niggas to save these banks? And everybody keep thinking this shit is normal again. Yeah, okay. Wait for it. See, the, the, these podcast episodes are going to age like wine. Trust me. My, my, my podcast doesn't age like bread. It ages like wine. These episodes are going to mean shit as the time progresses. Because we're speaking in prophetic times. This is a prophetic podcast. And, and I'm not special. I'm, I, I'm looking at this with my third eye high. I'm looking at it with a spiritual overtone. Because this is a spiritual war that we're in. Can't you feel it? Man, this is crazy. We're going to bounce around, right? Because I, I encourage everyone to pick up this book. So I just wanted to pull out some highlight key excerpts from this book. And just to show you, you know, the kind of scholarship that's in the book. You know, uh, chapter three, laborious, vex, uh, vexationist and dangerous service. Georgia's three agents of the bureau agents, uh, excuse me, Georgia's three generations of bureau agents were men who accepted their assignments for a variety of reasons. Consequently, they had varying degrees of commitment to the Reconstruction's larger goals. Saxons reformed minded civilian subordinates embodied the most racial motivation for working within the free people. Drawn to the South before the end of the war, they had come to help the ex-slaves achieve the, full, the fullest expression of freedom possible, given the conditions of the times and the parameters of 19th century thought. They were, in fact, assisting in God's plan for overturning old systems, old practices to give place to new and better. All cap. They acted as missionaries and teachers, as well as government agents. All this shit still to this day. They give you this illusion like we helping you out and we helping out these people and, you know, we're going to make it right. When all these people are lining their pockets up. They're still in the funding from these agencies that keep pledging this money and, and, and writing this money into, into bills of Congress. We need this these funds and these uh, programs to help the minorities, to help the, the colored uh, community, the black people, when none of these funds go to the fucking people. It's all money laundering. Because if y'all would have made it right during the Freedmen's Bureau, we wouldn't need no fucking aid of any kind. But it ain't about a need. My people worked for that shit and y'all ain't made it right. And I ain't working for you motherfuckers. And that's how we give it up. Y'all gonna make it right in this lifetime. Big facts. Because it's gonna get so destitute in the population that it's gonna be blood in the streets. As the prophet Noble Drali said, it's gonna be blood up to a horse's eyebrow. Horse tall than the motherfucker. Understand that it's gonna come to that because there's nothing left. You can't keep ignoring the people 
after a while, they're going to stop trying to talk to you. They're just going to take action. And that's what we're looking at. Because the more you flaunt your ill-begotten wealth, trying to impress the oppressed, vengeance is mine, said the Lord. And I am a child of God. Interesting, man. Let's, let's read this section here. That favorite assessment was probably based on an observation of the constructive side of Wilde's racial views. Upon his arrival in Georgia, Wilde planned to make every effort to eliminate discriminatory treatment of the free people. He even tried to eliminate the word colored from copies in newspapers. Because remember, colored was a derogatory term. Who fucking tricked you into believing that was your identity? Try calling somebody colored today, they gonna look at you crazy. But you call them black, isn't that the same fucking thing? Before 1969, you would have a fight if you called somebody black. It was a derogatory term. Who tricked you into believing that's your identity? Why does your identity keep changing? You still haven't figured it out yet. If I owe you and I change your name, I don't owe you anymore. <laughs> See how this works? I can rewrite history. I can hide a people. I can hide a history. I can hide a Holocaust and keep talking about my fraudulent Holocaust. See what's taking place? He even tried to eliminate the word colored from copies and newspapers, reports of bureau claims, proceedings, understandings that discrimination began at the point of publicly separating people by their racial feature. See, because colored, black, all that shit is a description. It's not a national identity. You don't call people yellow people, red people, purple people. That's why it says white slash Caucasian on your application. Because when they refer to white, a lot of these people identity is of the Caucasus Mountains. They were living in caves. Right. Practicing homosexuality, practicing cannibalism. This is their history. I can't make it up. I can't slander people. Why do they call themselves Caucasian? With none of these people physically say I'm a Caucasian male. None of them say this shit. But they check off white slash Caucasian. <laughs> so they're referring to a free property owner, the person who has the right to vote, descendants of those that lived in the Caucasus Mountains. Big facts. Big facts. And we talking about Yakub's experiment when they were grafted from a Traverdite monkey nigger. Right. The true nigger is actually these so-called white people. Because you look at their features, they resemble that of that monkey. That so-called Darwin's theory that they pushed on us in school, it's really their people. 32% of their population were born with tails. Research it. Babies that had tails like monkeys. Research it. Why are they excessively hairy? Got hair all on their back like bears and shit. Because they don't have hair, they have fur. This is scientifically proven. No slander. Only scholarship. Facts over feelings, my G. <laughs> yeah, man. I don't play no games, bro. You're not dealing with the average brother around here. No, bro. I get into those books because knowledge is fundamental. Big fucking facts. But knowledge applied becomes the power. Because it's one thing to read and recite shit, and it's another thing to have reading comprehension. Because when you can comprehend something, you have a broader perspective on the subject matter. 
And you ain't just on no fucking soapbox. Let's continue on. Man, he even tried to eliminate the word color from copies of newspapers. Reports of bureau claims, proceedings, understanding that discrimination began at the point of publicly separating people by their racial feature. Furthermore, his plans for the property that he confiscated in Wilkes County involved transforming the courthouse at Washington into Freedmen's schools and tombs estates into black homesteads. See, so some of these bureau agents were saying, yo, let's make do on the promise. Let's give them acres of land and all the stuff that we promised. Why were they making it so, so hard for that promise to be realized? Even the military say, we're not going to enforce that. Yeah, we said we're going to give them land. They helped us win the war. Fuck that. We already won the war. Let's renege. Man, interesting, B. Neither Saxon nor his successor had many agents committed to pursuing the aggressively racial course set by Wilde. In fact, most of the Yankees who later uh, became involved with the Bureau would be more like Captain John Emery Bryant. Saxon's more moderate, Augusta agent, by his own admission, Bryant, a native of Maine, mixed personal motives for serving as a Bureau agent. With philanthropic, uh, philanthropic, philanthropic ones, the former certainly not necessarily rendering the latter any less significant. During his association with the Bureau, he acted as a missionary for free labor ideology and justice for the ex-slaves, while he also made a living for his family and a reputation that would launch him into state politics. See, many of these poor whites was just acting like they was helping to position themselves in fucking politics, running for office. Don't forget me, nigga. Vote for me. I helped you niggas out. Isn't that what the politicians do of today? You never see them in your community when there's issues and you need help in the community, but these motherfuckers show up around election season like clockwork. Shaking hands and kissing babies. If Saxton's men found much of their motivation in their desire to reform the South, many of Tilson's native civilian agents found their found theirs primarily in a more conservative form of self-interest. Self-interest. Still to this day, self-interest. Matter of fact, they had the chick Rachel Dozier, so-called white woman. She put weave in her hair and just said, what's up, sister girl? Started talking crazy. And she passed as so-called black. In fact, she rose in the ranks. She became the fucking president of the NAACP, the National Advancement Association of Colored People. But ain't nobody referred to as motherfucking colored people today. So why do they still have that agency? Because it's all a fucking illusion. Call somebody colored today, you're going to have a fight. It's like if you called somebody black before 1969, you would have a fight. But now we didn't adopt all these shits. And I keep telling people to look at the law dictionary, the definition in the law dictionary, Black's Law uh, Dictionary, second edition, the definition for color, assembly of crumb, the assemblance of that which appears to be but not real in reality, a disguise, a deceptive appearance. That's what color means. And the second half of the uh, definition, a race of people from Africa. Did you see the spell that they casting? And they say people of color. They referring to any other motherfucker not classified as a free white person. A property owner that has the right to vote. So that's the Asian man. That's the Indian man. That's everybody. So when they issue this money and they say this is helping out the minorities and the people of color. It's every other group but our people. And they make it look like on paper that they helping us out. And you niggas still seem to need all this help that you never got. <laughs> 
We ain't saying we want fucking help. We want back what y'all stole. We want back what we earned with interest. That that part. And and and, that, and that's the part that gets me like where I be wanting to slap fire out one of these motherfuckers that don't understand what we talking about. How you don't feel what I'm talking about? When I qualify when I qualify with the scholarship, you don't feel what I'm talking about? I'm just a ranting nigga to you? Are you people pretending to not know what we talking about? I don't understand racism. Could you explain it to me? Could you explain it to me again? I'm not racist. Fuck out of here, bro. That's an idea. Continuing on. And that's an idea perpetrated by an inferior race, by the way. See, the whole illusion of this white supremacy is of an inferior complex. They can't compete with our people. Because in spite of all the oppression, we still make shit happen. We still become the greatest versions of ourselves. Big facts. That part, my dude. Chapter four. None but the very destitute. For white Georgians, this sense of chaos was heightening by another sign of the breakdown of civilized society that lasted throughout the summer of 1865. Roadblocks clogged with black pilgrims. <laughs> they called us black pilgrims. These niggas crazy. White observers were correct to view this black mobility as evidence that their state's old economic system had collapsed. Crops abandoned in the fields by ex-slaves were indeed a new phenomenon and to white Georgians a harbinger of future disasters. Oh my God, we got nobody to work for us for free. Also in the months following Appomattox, Georgia's cities swelled with black refugees. See, refugees. They keep saying that you from somewhere else. And that's that African-American bullshit. But if these so-called Europeans that say they're Europeans, proud to say they are, why aren't they called European-Americans if they call you an African-American? Because huh? you keep saying, oh, well, we niggas from Africa and America. So we African-Americans. Yeah, right. that was pushed on you in 1960, 1984 by, by messy motherfucking Jesse, who set up Martin Luther King. Put a pen in that. Why aren't these European-Americans called European-Americans? Why are they called just Americans? Because they traded places with the true Americans. The indigenous inhabitants here before any of the colonies got started. Right. To white Georgians, herbanger of future disasters. Also in the months following Appomattox, Georgia's cities swelled with black refugees from the rural counties who, who congregated in camps and shanty towns to try cities, to try city life, or simply to find an alternative to cotton planting, another example of the unsettled times. Clearly, black mobility, regardless of the freed people's legitimate motives, contributed not only to white fears, see, black mobility, these people can up and go and do for themselves, we can't have that. Who's gonna work for us for free because we don't wanna work, we're inferior. We just pretending we're superior. We're an outraged. <laughs> the Karens of today, right. <laughs> Clearly, black mobility, regardless of the free people's legislative, excuse me, regardless of the free people's le legitimate motive, contributed not only to white fears, but also to the state's hardships. The state couldn't make no money off you no more. 
Remember, the institution of slavery was enforced by this government. That's the part we're forgetting. We keep thinking it's isolated by a group of fucking whites that had some money. This was institutions pushed by and backed and enforced by this government. Let's not forget that. Administration after administration after administration. The irony, however, was that from the perspective of the ex-slaves in transit, migration was in part prompted by their need to search for a way to relieve their own hunger. The 1865 agricultural season, so thoroughly disrupted by the last convulsions of the war, did not solve the problem of Georgia's widespread destitution. In the spring of 1866, free people from Floyd County and the northern west corner of the state, for example, petitioned, petitioned President Andrew Johnson for aid because both Union and Confederate armies had marched camped and forged over their land, contributing to the poor. In 1865, harvests that left them without adequate provisions. Georgia, especially its northern counties, had not yet fully recovered from the war well into 1866. And the impercurnious nature of the state's population threatened to ruin yet another season, even before it had began. Consequently, some residents would not only suffer from the immediate want of food, but also risk falling into a cycle of poverty because they lacked the resources necessary for producing the abundant harvest, harvest that could with fair assistance from the heathens. So this agency that was supposed to help the people get their shit back, instead of giving them, providing them with the resources to grow their own crops and make their own food, they was pushing them to get back in contracts to work for their former masters. Make that shit make sense. We're we not going to let you work on your own land, your own farms. We want you to work for homie again. <laughs> Go and lock yourself back into this contract, but you're free now. Yikes. Yeah, right. Yikes. Yeah, right. That's why they would never teach you this kind of shit in school. Because you would, you would have context for your anger. Right? You have context for your anger. Facts over feelings. Many of our people are anger, angry still to this day because they're, they're stewing in a pot of ignorance. They don't understand what happened, but spiritually, they know what happened was fucked up and it hasn't been made right. But, but once we get into this literature and we understand the context of the time period and we understand what really happened and what was swept under the rug, administration after administration, we know who the real op is, right? And we stop calling each other our fucking op. That bullshit. You keep talking about your op, but all the while you're still under a form of oppression and, and you're afraid to address your oppressor because he threw you a few peanuts and a few trophies and shit. Right. Okay. Let's look at this here. Here we go. Here we go. September uh, distributed emergency relief. By mid-June, Tilson was urging the military his, his source of su supply to act quickly to curb the great and severe destitution of the state. First-hand reports from his own subordinates had convinced him that northern Georgia could absorb from 100,000 to 200,000 rations each month until harvest time. By the beginning of July, Tilson believed that blacks and whites in the suffering counties would need at least 150,000 rations. And the assistant commissioner urged the army to send him the food as rapidly as possible. So after slavery, you got these poor whites looking for food from the Freedmen's Bureau. But the bureau was set up for ex-slaves, right? 
So it's safe to say that these ex-slaves were also whites. That's hot in their fucking history. Where's the white slave movie? I'll watch it. Get my big ass bag of popcorn. See, they don't want to talk about real history. They just want to make up these fake ass Hollywood movies that leave you in a state of suspended animation to have you keep thinking that you were the slave owned by them. When these motherfuckers was at the first welfare agency looking for a handout. You don't say. When you got 85% of the people getting food stamps right now, white people. They don't want to tell you about that shit. They just want to have you keep looking down on your people like you don't have shit. Nah, bro, we're going we gonna to get this right. We're going to get this right. Tell the truth to them babies. Stop capping out here. Interesting. <laughs> Man, by the beginning of July, Tilson believed that blacks and whites in the suffering counties would need at least 150,000 rations, and the assistant commissioner urged the army to send him the food as rapidly as possible. The task of the actual distribution of these rations further complicated the chores of the Bureau's agents and officers. See, they didn't want you to help these ex-slaves because they wanted you to help these poor white ex-slaves. Fuck these niggas. Help us. Give us the aid. That's what they don't want to talk about. Give us the land. Give these niggas the projects. Right. And that was the project. By mid-July, Captain Pickett discovered that the Bureau had already distributed 150,000 rations to blacks and whites, exhausting its supply in the state. Appeals in the military brought an additional 150,000 rations into Georgia from Chattanooga on July 29th. Within a week, Pickett had distributed another 110,000 rations to northern Georgia communities. Despite such efforts, His inspection of the area revealed continuing destitution with little prospect for salvation from a bountiful harvest. Man, so you had all these poor whites that couldn't work these crops. Oh my God. Couldn't feed themselves, but they got you thinking they was all slave masters. And they all had the money. Interesting shit. Despite these and all other practical and ideological limitations, Tilson's bureau had distributed 683,206 rations in one year, including 177,942 rations for white consumption. (laughs) Big facts. Caleb uh, Sibley administrations experienced a similar pattern of charitable uh, activities. The bureau was initially reluctant to distribute rations only to find itself scrambling to deal with a springtime emergency. Once it accepted the need to feed Georgians, it worked hard to remove itself from the relief businesses, business as quickly as possible. The assistant commissioner already beginning his efforts to reorganize the bureau did his best to follow Washington's directives and extricate the agency from the general relief process by encouraging the civil authorities to assume their legitimate responsibilities to the destitute of both races and by limiting relief offered by his office. In February, for example, the Georgia Bureau fed only 1,543 whites and 1,917 blacks in March and only 1,300 whites and 2,142 blacks. In all likelihood, the Georgia Bureau 
during this period of transition, which involved phasing out the use of Tyrrells of Tilson's native white Georgians and replacing them with loyal men, failed to develop a complete picture of the problem of destitution within its jurisdiction. Along with the break in administration, continually in some counties, the civilian agents not yet relieved were unwilling to exert themselves to any extent without compensation. We ain't helping nobody until we get paid. But they was doing this from the, the kindness of their heart. <laughs> yeah. In early March, Commissioner Howard reported to Congress the projected needs of his agency if it were to assume a significant role in assuring a summer of suffering. The figures he presented, which included an estimated 7,500 whites. Listen to this. 705,000 whites poor whites and 5,000 blacks from Georgia who presumably would need 375,000 rations of food to sustain them for five months, prompted Congress on March 30th to give Howard the authority to deal with the problem. The lawmakers refusing to allocate to the agency new resources gave the Bureau permission to purchase supplies with funds already designated for other places. Man, this is, this is a powerful, powerful book, guys. Add it to your library. Now, I want to qualify this last part. White rejection of the contract systems. Agent Agents Brian and Eaton had, lean, had learned during the first summer of freedom that their hectic days were, no, were in no small part the consequences of white Georgia's lack of commitment to an honest trial of free labor. See, these niggas never wanted to do fair business. In 1866 and 1867, the difficulties encountered by free people and the Bureau increased as employers became more adept at circumventing the wishes of the free people and their goals of the Bureau. Complicating matters were the debts that planters owed to their factors after the poor harvest of the early post-war years. So our people, even after slavery, said, all right, we'll work, treat us fairly pay us what we're owed these niggas still wouldn't honor the contracts after slavery and we don't have nothing to be upset about right after the poor harvest of their early post-war years employers preferred to pay their creditors before their workers a straightforward rejection of the bureau's policy of recognizing the black employees first lean on their crops and an almost certain guarantee of a delayed settlement for the free people. So we still were forced to work for free. Wow. Also planners understood that the freedmen's involvement with electoral policies during 1867 and 1868 raised the stakes in the contest over who would control their state. See, they were fearing us not because we were free. They was fearing that we were unified and we would start putting our people in the office to start changing our condition. They couldn't have that. They couldn't have that. Providing an additional reason to use employment and pay to assert their control over their workers. Tilson's administration was plagued with short-sighted planners who dealt with the agricultural problems of a bad season by running off their workers at lay-by time. Beginning in June of 1866, 
reports of planters releasing free, free people began to reach the assistant commissioner. So instead of paying you, they would just fire you. <laughs> what kind of shit is that? The number of incidents grew during the summer and freed people and agents continued to report difficulties into September. As Tilson himself admitted and as his agents confirmed, it was a common practice for planners to stage a quarrel and threaten their workers with violence. So they threaten you with violence because they owed you money for work you did and wasn't compensated for. The nerve of these fucking people. During the lay-by lay period, free people and agents reported an increased number of violence, outrages committed by planters against free people. Fear prompted the free people to abandon their homes and thus allowing employers to claim that they had violated their contracts and therefore forfeited their wages. See what's going on? So our people was demanding their money for work they did they didn't get compensated for. And then when we said, well, fuck that. I'm not working for you. I'm going to go work for somebody else that has integrity that will honor the contract. And then they would say, hey, see, look, they violated their contract. They didn't fulfill their contract, so I don't got to pay them. But I didn't pay them. That's why they broke the contract. <laughs> Tricky motherfuckers, B. Land of the forked tongue. Planners must have found the tactic useful for despite Tilson's intervention, a change of bureau administration and coming of military reconstruction, they continued to create disturbances to force unwanted hands, glad to escape with their lives, to abandon their year-long contract and forfeit their claims on the crop. Even as bureau men witnessed this, re this rejection of their free labor plans, they discovered the threats and beatings were not the only methods by which planters, some of whom did not wish to run off their workers, could defraud the, the free people. So you had people getting whipped, people getting hung, because they, they was demanding that their contract be honored after slavery ended. Where's the movie on that kind of shit? Man, this is, this is crazy. I'm going to leave it there. I'm going to leave it there. Uh, I want you guys to, to pick up this book. I know this has been a lengthy uh, build, but this is how my podcast goes. You know, listen to it in, in parts, you know, listen to it 30 minutes at a time. But but we have to expand our attention span, right? We, a lot of the population is dumped down so much. We got the attention span of a goldfish and we ain't paying attention to shit. But we got to go back to what happened, because if you don't study the past, you're doomed repeat it this is the book report series i am your host jf bay this is the third eye high podcast we deal with a higher consciousness of a flyer culture and i'm just here to shine my light your way to help you find your light switch and keep your light lit and this was a review of under the freedmen's bureau guardianship and the reconstruction of the nation of georgia in 1865 through 1870 by Paul C. Symbola. I encourage you to add this book to your library, break it down, teach it to your babies, have your babies listen to the podcast, right? You get an audio version of this. So I encourage you to crack the book open and start reading because as that saying goes, you want to hide something from a nigga, you put it in a book. And they did just that because they'll never make a movie 
on a real subject like this because then you would start to put this slavery story into context. Then your argument for reparations would be more fine-tuned. They don't want a population of people that are in the know about what happened to their ancestors, that are in the know about their oppression that they're currently facing because then they would know who their true op is. Big facts. Salute to everyone tuning into the podcast. I give thanks. You spent your most form of currency. You paid attention. So I'm compensated. Give thanks for your donation. You want to share the podcast. That's a form of donation. You want to subscribe to the podcast. Third Eye High on all podcast streaming platforms. That's a form of donation. If you want to send a monetary donation, you can hit my cash app. Dollar sign Far Out Flow. F-A-R-O-U-T-F-L-O-W. Dollar sign Far Out Flow is the cash app. But as I said, I don't do this for the likes. I do this for the love. Until next time. And always remember to keep your third eye high. Peace, love, more light.